want answers! I want the truth! My team, my team is dead! I feel the need, the need for speed. necessarily laying down the gauntlet but at least sprinkling the suggestion of doing uh, breaking bad before better call soul re uh, enters our lives for the finale because g and i started breaking bad again and we're at episode three you know season one flipping heck it goes at a clip at the beginning doesn't it i know it, it starts to apply the brakes soon but jesus has got such a stunning opening and it's funnier than i remember at the beginning of Breaking Bad. Like, it really right. leads into a few jokes in a way. Um, so how many like, episodes did you say you've seen? I think we're only three. I think we're three. We just had the bathtub. And and when yeah. did you watch it originally? How long ago was it? Oh, when you God, saw it? it'd be like 10 years for this season, I think. Yeah. yeah. Let me say, can I say my observation that I made? Today, I watched episode six, um, and I think there were only seven episodes. So I watched the penultimate. And I don't want to necessarily, even though you've seen it, I don't really want to do spoiler in case you've forgotten specifics, but I do want to say something if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, go Just for it. about, well, well, what my main observation was, so yes, we talked about this before, but I, so I'm like you, Jimmy, I'm watching Better Call Saul and I'm up to date and we're halfway through the final season and then there's a little hiatus in, in mere weeks, it's coming back weekly for the final run and then the final episode. And of course, it's a prequel to Breaking Bad, but because Soul doesn't come into Breaking Bad until episode eight of season two, there's an overlap. And I'd forgotten lots of about Breaking Bad when I saw season one of Medical Soul, for example. So when, is it Chico? Um, yeah. Oh, when the, he, sorry, the guy, the, well, the crazy drug dealer guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it Am is, I, yeah. He, um, when he came into season one of Medical Soul, I knew that he was from Breaking Bad, but I've forgotten specifics. But but now that I've just he's entered Breaking Bad, and it, uh, for him now it will be obviously after the events from Medical Soul, which in Medical Soul he went to prison, and in this episode of Breaking Bad, episode six or seven, he um, said, "Hey, ever since you like you you got sprung from prison." So assuming he's on the run or something, uh, because he because and then that ties in with medical soul where he did go to prison. So that's that's cool. So the overlap is happening as we speak. And I'm going to say, if I may, I had a really specific thought because this is how I wanted to do it and to ease in. But if you knew nothing about any of this and you didn't know which came first or anything, and someone sat you down, and this is going into my black science thing, but I would like to find someone who's been living on like Lost Island and hasn't, you know, I'm gonna bring Jack here. We're gonna sit down and I'm gonna show him medical soul. And we're gonna do it exactly as we've done up until this point. And then I'm gonna say there's a spin-off show, which seemingly has nothing to do with it, but bear with it. It's kind of the deep space nine to medical soul's next generation. <laughs> so then we start watching Breaking Bad. And he's like, there's this teacher, and they're obviously in the same sort of area. So, okay. And we're watching it. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't that brother-in-law? He was in an episode. So, oh, that's okay. So it's all in the same universe and stuff. And it's a nice little Michael Keaton 
being in Jackie Brown and, and Out of Sight as the same character and stuff. So you're like, okay, that's nice. And then Chico, I'm sure his name's not fucking Chico, but this guy. It might be Chico. I don't know. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, Chico is such a fucking 80s stereotype. Fuck you, USA. You're about to be fucked up by Steven Seagal. That's Chico. Fuck you, man. Um, in terms of Tuco, thank you, Jimmy. Um, he when he comes there for in episode six or seven of Breaking Bad, from that perspective, you're like, oh shit! And then you find out, oh, he's he's, been, he's broken out of prison or something. So you're like, oh my god! So for him, it's maybe six months, maybe a year or so later, depending on the time frame of Medical Soul, I suppose, three or four years maybe. So that's great. So that's the one thing I wanted to say. And as it proceeds, spoiler, obviously for everything, but as it proceeds, this episode that I just saw with Tuco's introduction is also the birth of Heisenberg. And he shaves his head, he introduces himself as Heisenberg, but also the character is the birth. And he has this adrenaline burst in the car where we, and it's like a primal scream. And it's the birth of Heisenberg. And he's got the money, he's got the victory, he's got the blood, and it's the birth, the power, has all come out. And what's great about the first season, apparently, more or less, of Breaking Bad, is you do have to be patient. In the first episode, they cook together. It's Jesse and, and Walter. But then the rest of it is them with, with the consequences and they separate and they both try and go it alone. And then very naturally and organically, plus you're going through all the cancer shit with Walt and Skylar's coming across so much worse this time around for me. Um, and then it joins back up. And so by this point, Heisenberg's born and then Jesse and Walt want to cook together. And that's the beginning of the forward momentum of the rest of the show. You need those six episodes where you do have to kind of just go with it, go with it. And then it's like, right, and now we're off and it's earned it. And that's my other reflection for the second viewing, which I, I've been enjoying quite a lot. Beautiful, Sheppy. And I, I, I agree on the Skylar point, by the way. She's really coming across just as an awful woman. You see it's a her shame. point. Yeah. She, it's that classic thing, though, where everything they're doing for Walter is to make them feel better. It's a real, it's a sin wannabe um, playing him that song from his childhood. You didn't hear. It's like, this will make me feel better if you do all these things and Walter doesn't want to he wants to you know obviously yeah. and and Walter Jr. isn't helping with like no. it's like you, you suck dad so it's like <laughs> uh, so yeah when, um, so it's a very good slow burn it's an excellent slow burn which is now paying off and I'm really into it I'm I'm loving the slap. We, we, yeah, and but I, just one final thing on it from me. Just um, the, the there's a there's a when they turn on the telly at the beginning during Walter's birthday. Where by the way, like when I was <laughs> one observation I had as well. Sorry, I this is way too long a little preamble for the intro. But it doesn't matter. Who cares if you're with us? You're with us. Um, one thing that really made me laugh out loud, roar out loud, Sheppy, is literally. Um, Hank does a cousin Eddie to Walter at the birthday. Did you notice that? Like he literally goes like, "Hey, Walt, Walt, you know, come over here." And he takes Walt's beer and raises a toast. They give him to the, toast, the toast to Walt with his own. He takes the beer out of his hand. That <laughs> takes it. cousin Eddie to the next level. He steals his drink to toast him and then drinks it in front of him. Uh, yes, that's his up. And to your point, and I think we mentioned this before, but if 
if Hank hadn't have turned on the TV. That's the Star Wars, hold your fire, don't shoot those empty escape pods. And if they had have shot it, none of the rest of the stuff would have happened. If Hank hadn't had an ego and turned on the TV and said, hey, everybody, everybody, look, I'm on TV, on the news, at Walt's birthday party, it wouldn't have given Walt at the very beginning of the idea of, hey, maybe I can cook now. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's good. My, my question is then also, like, will is that specific bust going to feature in somehow towards the end of better well at least the end of the the soul era not the soul the jimmy era of better call soul where will hank have a part to play could that bust have something to do with something you know what i mean because there's, there's a little bit of overlap there maybe too with where we're at and i mean the characters overlapped in terms of hank i think it's just like a character their parts crossed but i don't think there's any deeper connection i just wondered about the bust they mentioned on the news though like whether that specific bust could have a play is it part of jimmy's stash is it part of like the like do you know what i mean he's got at the moment in because i'm just interested whether they could play that in somehow or not fascinating whether, stuff yeah but anyway but anyway sheppy i should say welcome to shoulders of giants amazing <laughs> i'm jimmy Hello, I'm Sheppy. And today, Sheppy, we have a special Tom Cruise of them, something like that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, uh, a Cruise, Cruise, uh, <laughs> solid, solid stuff. Yeah, Cruise, um, because we did previously the Jerry Maguire uh, sequel podcast, and frankly, you and I had very minimal ideas, and we thought, well, we want to talk about Top Gun and Top Gun maverick as well so we could also just have the first half of this jerry Maguire can be like a bit of a cruisathon but then our perspective Maguires kind of required on us and um so then we still wanted to talk about top gun we wanted and then we we're like well let's continue like just talk about cruise because it's worth it um we've already done a cocktail sequel uh series which um which is a the cobra kai if you will to cocktail so we do already have crews in this uh, here podcast. So that's that's precedent. I like that. Uh, he's had a he's had a fairly you know he's had a long career, and to me it always appears to be you know it's pre Top Gun and post Top Gun um, in terms of his whole Tom Cruise. In the Top Gun, I always see it that that's when he became Tom Cruise. T T T um so i i that's you... an interesting point sheppy i i mean obviously you're 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 the real officiando on uh regenerations but i will say for me cruise is more about pre and post mission impossible in some ways where mm. the risks started getting a wee bit less or at least those kind of roles started get or maybe i i'd need to kind of just revisit the imdb a bit as maybe, the physical have... risks grew the personal risks shrank. It's a, it's a bit of that. There's just a moment where he starts just leaning into the blockbusters and accepting, I'm not going to get an Oscar. Hollywood thinks I'm too weird, maybe. I don't know, you know, whatever. But the bottom line is he starts thinking, right, okay, I'm going to do less of the Magnolia-type stuff and I'm going to uh, lean into, um, lean into like, Mission Impossible, all, all the action stuff that he's been doing still and, you know, and... and it, yeah, I don't know, like, I feel there's still some really interesting stuff after Top Gun, but then the interesting stuff does sort of taper a wee bit at a moment, and I'm trying to pick the right movie to 
to the well of, you you're know. not wrong that's certainly a regeneration point um i'll say this you've got the early crews so your outsiders your all the right moves your legend and uh, risky business and you know others um then you've got top gun and he regenerates into the tom baker of tom cruises the one that everyone likes even if you like to hate um pure cruise then you've got through the 80s he did the big one and then the sort of the more drama one you know did the classic one 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 so he did like uh, cocktail and color of money um i want to say in the same year um and he did um rain man and he did born on the fourth of july but he also did uh, days of thunder um so you know it was it was pure good old cruise and then you might say in the early 90s, Days of Thunder and then Far and Away, two films I think underperformed. They were certainly a bit of a cruise wobble, I think. Um, and they're not regarded particularly well, I don't think. Um, although I'm sure there were fans, of course. And then there was stuff like A Few Good Men, which is great. That's a five-star film. And, yeah, and it was successful. I guess. I know, I know it was. It was successful. And then it was a one-two with The Firm, which was the first of the Grisham wave, which was a huge wave. Um, and, and that was very successful. And then I think, I'm not looking at IMDb, so I, that's not very professional for me, but I think it was then like um, Interview the Vampire, which was like, and Rice famously was like, boo, yeah, sucks to Cruise too. And then Cruise was like, hey, just check it out, check it out first. And then they gave her, I guess, Warner Brothers gave Anne Rice a lot of money. But in fairness, Cruz is really good as Lestat. And I haven't, I haven't read any of the books, but he is good. And Anne Rice said, I've seen the film and it's good. Now I'm going to drive away on my new island. But nonetheless, uh, Cruz is good in that film from my non-Anne Rice perspective. So good for him. And then he went into, you know, he did other things, but it was then like Mission Impossible, which was sort of, it was action, but it was more, you know, Brian De Palma, thriller-based stuff. But then, yeah, you know, Jerry Maguire, and which was the same year as Mission Impossible, I believe, and then, you know, Magnolia as well, and then he started his Spielberg run with Minority Report, and, and yeah, and then he, he entered in the 2000s, especially with MI2, a massive action hero phase which he's still riding or running the cruise and I see your point and I, I totally I, I agree he made Lions for Lambs which wasn't very well received and he made saw um, that did you see it Lions for Lambs no, it Redford didn't. And, I, didn't. I mean Redford Streep Cruise Jesus and it does it does under deliver unfortunately yeah. that's okay that's a shame and he did American Made with um, Thingy who did um, you know Doug Lyman yeah. Yes, we did that tomorrow with him, and that's good, and that's small. And yeah. But you're right. My theory is, Cruise, the films are obviously massively successful. Cruise, whatever you say about, you know, there's a whole other podcast about Cruise, the Scientology angle, there's quite dance around that, but also just the fact that he's so committed to it, uh, to, to what he does. And the fact that I think once he started pushing himself physically in these films, he was like a challenged. And as he grew older, he was like, how, how far can I go? And self-betterment, self-betterment. 
uh, and also how can I deliver the best films ever? And the CGI, you know, was like in the 2000s, it's like, okay, well, now people are used to some bad CGI, some good CGI, but we know it's CGI. So people like old school stunts and real stunts and big spectacle. And so those joined happily, the crews and the public and what the appetite was, the crews could continue to make these films where he could push himself more and more and more. And I think he's really getting off on that. He was 60, uh, not to date this exact episode, but two days ago was his birthday. Cruz was born on the 3rd of July. Think about that. Wow. Um, yeah. And um, today, just to date it absolutely literally, is the 7th. So we're right in the, in the sweet spot of the... Uh, it's the 5th, excuse me. It's the 5th. Today. Well, so we're right. in Australia, Sheppy. Yes, we're all, so we're, really... we're all over the place. We're all over the place. <laughs> it's the vortex shenanigans. Um, nonetheless, good for crew. So that's my theory. And I think Mission Impossible 7, which 7? 8. 8. 7 is next. Making, yes, and 8 they're making at the moment. And he hung out of an upside down biplane over Essex countryside the other day. And Chris McCroy. Uh, posted the photo saying happy 60th birthday Tom Cruise when hanging out of his plane. More scary it was over Essex when he crashed he was in deep shit. Nonetheless I think you know this will be so number eight which they're filming at the moment will be the final one with Cruise and he knows it he knows at some point he's got to, and then you know his career will actually go more towards Jimmy I assume and it will inevitably he'll still make running films but it will start to, you know, you get to a certain point and then you just throttle back and decelerate. Otherwise, he's going to explode. And if he does, or like, I don't know, he gets shot off into the sun by mistake or something, uh, it'll be like when Steve Irwin died. People oh, will be I didn't mean to laugh like, at Steve Irwin, but you know what I mean, the shot off into the yeah, sun. Yeah, that's going to get you in trouble in Australia. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he, no one will be surprised. Everyone will be like, oh no, but then no one will be like, what? Um, everyone will say, well, yeah, obviously. I can't so imagine his Paul out. Newman regeneration, Sheppy, to be honest, to kind of pull that thread on the colour of money type thing. You know, I just can't yeah. imagine it. I can't see him as a really old man. It's a bit of a sort of a Michael Jackson type vibe. I wouldn't... Well, it's because you know, it's sort he's of that... had the same basic face yeah. constantly. It has changed, and he has had a bit of work done here and there. But generally speaking, he still looks exactly like Tom Cruise. Um, so bear that in mind, yeah, he probably it will because I mean speaking of Regen and Paul Newman, he had like a very specific one. Him Newman from the 80s onwards, maybe even yeah, I'm gonna say the 80s onwards is a one he looks 100 percent different from early 70s, 60s, like 100 percent It's crazy. He's probably um, more like yeah. Robert Redford, like that, to be honest, Tom Cruise, isn't he? Because Redford broadly looks the same, just a wee bit yeah. wrinklier, you know, and older. But yeah. And not even much because he's got money and, um, you know, nice, nice places to stay and ski. So, but yeah, you know, <laughs> obviously got very good health care and Cruise is all about that, that shit. So, yeah, but he will slow down. I, I'm sure he will. He has to. And, he, you know, um, and so fair play. Now, we're not going to talk about the Scientology angle, I don't think, but I think we have to address it just in terms of it did hurt his career um, around 2005, and there was a big wobble that everyone sort of was like, oh, fucking hell. And a lot of truth came out about this very secret, you know, organisation. 
which you know, had been kept secret for a long time, and then people started to leave. But I believe Cruz has weathered that. Uh, he is popular. He continues to clearly be popular. And he does put his work ethic into full effect. He never phones it in. Quite the opposite. He builds a phone on set. Um, he's, he's very committed to making very good films. And generally speaking, there aren't that many Cruise films that I actually dislike. Um, so good for Cruise. Yes, I think that's that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, summary, Sheppy. I think he's, I love him to be honest. On balance, I love Tom Cruise, the movie star. Like you say, let's not worry too much about the Scientology. You know, it is what it is. I, I, it's an interesting evolution, like you say, though it has now become sort of the quirk of your uncle or whatever. Like it doesn't, re- you know, it's not really front and center anymore. People want to lean into it. They see, you know, another interesting thing that's happened for him is what about eighteen months ago he gets recorded on set on Mission Impossible Seven you know, kind of screaming at his crew members to basically adhere to the 1.5 metre standard and everything. And have you heard that recording? Yeah. It's quite, and he's kind of, you know, there's moments where the the thing for Tom Cruise is, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. So when he shouts, it sounds like he's being a Tom Cruise character as well, but he is just kind of, that's kind of just how he shouts. Um, where um, what Christian Bale got into a wee bit more hot water on that with Terminator because he was still sort of in an American accent type character as John Connor, it was a bit more awkward, you know what I mean? And, and obviously it wasn't a global pandemic, so the stakes were significantly less. Um, but what I really, I think, what happened in the moment, and I think what the tabloids tried to do was kind of exploit that and hold Tom Cruise up a bit for ridicule for that. But actually, the inverse happened, and he was seen as someone who was trying to help people who work in the movie industry to keep their jobs and be able to pay their mortgages and keep going, you know? And I, I think um, he's sort of, uh, you know, perhaps there's an element of him that loves that, but he he ultimately is trying to save the industry. And we'll, we'll get to... Top Gun Maverick in all its glory at the end of the chat, Sheppy. But I do think there's a lot of threads to be seen there as a metaphor for what he stands for in the industry as well as anything else. When they're talking about, you know, how things are moving on and like all that kind of thing, you know. And uh, I, I think uh, I, I just sort of, I've always, he's one of the few stars that you you really don't miss one of his movies, do you? You try and watch them when they come out because you know, like you say, he's never going to phone it in. Um, me from two and a half years ago would be um, aghast at what I'm about to say, but these days it is a real effort to go to the cinema for me, and only mentally. And I, you know, it's because of COVID I became used to just like not going out, but you know, leaving the dog. You know, I, I have to sort of get over that, and then oh god, I've got to get on the tram for twenty minutes, and then I'm at the cinema. <laughs> you know, it's really so stupid. And, and then I've got to sit down. Oh God! Um, but for something, so but you know, I did it for Bond, and I did it for um, most of the Marvels and things like that, and Batman. Um, I didn't do it for Dune. I never quite got myself together to do. But maybe they'll reshow one before Part Two comes out. That's my secret hope. Because I do just want to see it on the big screen. But for Top Gun. Um, that's the thing. Cruise is making spectacle. It's very well known, of course, that there's no CGI and all the actors are actually in these planes and so on. And so it is. It's bringing spectacle to cinema, which is what they did in the 60s with TV. They were like, yeah, but you can watch your TV at home, but you've got to come to the cinema if you want to see this whole parting of the red shit. 
So it's all of that. And it's also like, you know, in three, boink, D, it's doing stuff to get you back. And what I like is good old Cruz, he doesn't deserve, he doesn't need my like pride, but I'm so happy for him because it's not like it's some small independent movie or anything like that. It is Tom Cruise. But the fact that this film has done such good business, Top Gun Maverick, I mean, it, and because of the spectacle and people did want to see it on the big screen and people generally do like Cruise and they have got over it and they are like, you know, see what you like about Cruise, but he will jump out of a plane many times. So it's like, yeah, he does go for it and these films actually are good. But everyone had their knives out for the mummy, but nonetheless, everyone's like, yay. So I'm really happy that Top Gun has made it home and it's not just big superhero films. And I know with a Tom Cruise, it might as well be a superhero film. But something like a name like Top Gun doesn't guarantee success. And I don't think even Cruise necessarily guarantees success like in the old days where a film star guaranteed bums in seats. So I'm really happy that this film has proved that people want to go to the cinema and they will go to the cinema. And it wasn't released in China, maybe because it's too patriotic to, towards America, but it's still made, I think it's, it's now crossed the billion, I think. Yeah, at the very least, by the time people are hearing this, I'm sure yeah. it will happen. You know, on the China point, Sheppy, I don't know, I'd have, to, I'd have to Google it, but it's worth a Google, because I think it's related to a, a, um, a badge that's on the back of Maverick's jacket. <laughs> I think that's genuinely the reason the movie is banned in China. Can't they just block that out? I don't Can't know. They, that isn't that the easiest thing in the world. Like, they totally re-edited and dubbed, oh, God, what was it called? The, the remake of the John Millius film, Red Dawn, with Hemsworth. And they did it, and it was China invading America. And then in the edit, they changed it to North Korea. And they, and they did it really badly. It's really bad CGI, where they changed the flag to the North Korean flag and stuff. Um, <laughs> but So Maverick, it would be a walk in the park. If that was the only thing, then I'm sure they could do something about that. You'd think, would you? But yeah, I did. I read it, and I've just forgotten what the badge was. But yeah. <laughs> so how can we really, what else do we need to do to celebrate this lovely man who's given us so well, much cinematic joy, Sheppy? We've, we've talked about the eras of Cruise. You know, basically, there's the 80s and 90s, and then the 2000s are basically their own Cruise era, I would argue. Um, if we're just going to focus for a second then on the Mission Impossibles, I think we can both agree they're good. Is that safe to say? Yeah, barring two, which uh, which we saw together. I think it's the only one we, we saw together. <laughs> no, uh, we also saw four Ghost Protocol. Oh, nice, nice. At the IMAX in London. But glad you remember. Nonetheless, um, you're absolutely <laughs> It was lost in right. a standstorm, Sheppy. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's valid. I'll say this. Um, do you have... So, so you're saying number two isn't very good. I don't like number two. I've never liked number two. Uh, amazing action, but it's actually very unsatisfying for whatever reason. It's very stylish, obviously John Woo, but um, yeah, I've never really liked it. And there's too many face mask pools. You know, there's like two too many. It should be the one at the beginning and then the dark man rip up at the end, but that's it. Uh, but nonetheless, got to three, uh, which I'm just going to go ahead and say that's my favourite of all the Mission Impossibles. I still love three. Um, and also, it, some of that's tied into when I first saw it at Guildford Cinema. Um, 
that opening with Philip Seymour Hoffman and, and Cruz's Tide to Chair. Yeah. I was so in that, um, and it's such a strong opener um, and such a different way to open a Mission Impossible film. Um, so all of that, but I really like that film. Um, I don't really like Four, which is why I'm not upset that you don't remember watching it. Um, I'm not a big fan and it doesn't quite hold together, but obviously the Dubai set piece is great and, and it's all very well made and so on. Uh, five is my second favorite. Uh, Rogue That's the I problem so. with these. The Macquarie's, the titles are like generic 90s action films, so they all blend together. Um, but Mission Impossible 5, the one after Ghost Protocol, and it's the first Macquarie, that's my second favorite, and I really like it. Then it's 6, which is the one with Henry Cavill and his mustache, and I like that very much. But, it, but not as much as five. So my order, Jimmy, is Mission Impossible three, five, one, six, four, two. Nice. I think nice. I just oh, getting a bit of feedback there. Did you hear that feedback or not? Was it just me? I did not. Okay. It was just you. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I agree with you there, Sheppy. I would only flip six and one, I think. I like six a bit better than you do. Maybe it sounds. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, one is, well, the first three are very specific. And then after three, they're all basically kind of like three. Um, but the first three are very, very specific. Uh, and so it's De Palma and it's Wu and then it's Abrams. And there was talk at one point of Oliver Stone directing the second one, which would have been amazing. God knows what it would have been, obviously 100% different. But I like that idea that, you know, the first one's the Palmer, the second one's Stone. It, it, theoretically, in a Cape Fear sort of hat, the third one could have been Scorsese. He's already worked with Cruz. It's not impossible. You know, if, if Stone had done the second one, which was possibly going to happen but then he did um in a given sunday instead so anyway that's just an alternative universe that may or may not be possible um well that's a like, sog waiting to happen sheppy one day isn't it come on yeah i love the first one it's not perfect but it's pure de palma and it's so good and it's so stylish and it's got the fish tank and the build-up to the fish tank exploding and him with kitterick in the restaurant is one of my favorite constructed sequences ever and um, it's great and it goes into funny angles and stuff and it builds and builds uh, and then it's the first mission impossible cruise doing his own stunt stunt uh, which is great you've got the iconic dangling thing and the wire and the glasses and the sweat um and you know the end on the euro tunnel is a bit hokey but it's you know it's got the blow from alan partridge from the day to day so it can't be all bad so yeah so you'll be you're saying you prefer six to number one at the moment, yeah, I really loved that. I, I thought that was that was a treat, Sheppy. But <laughs> we're going to do uh, another lap of the MIs in anticipation of seven. So that is all open to uh, a restructure. Come, come a sog for Mission Impossible one day. But yeah, nice. yeah, right also, now I'm as we stand, like... I'm pumping my arms for Henry Cavill and Co. Well, yeah, me too. That's great. So you, so is three your favourite then? Yes. 
Yes. Oh, Spoiler alert, I'm absolutely the same as you. And I had absolutely the same experience with the first two minutes. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. Love Philip Seymour Hoffman in that. Oh. Love it, love it, love it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, Lovely. Yeah. I love um, the run. Well, I think it might be my fam- favourite cruise run through uh, through the, all the shanty stuff. It's amazing. Yes. It's really cool. No, it's, uh, there are many, many iconic cruise runs, but that one is um, is pretty special. Yeah. Um, so it just goes on and on, and he's shouting like "Get out of the way!" in in Mandarin. I assume it's uh, it's solid stuff, Jimmy. Um, and again, good old Abrams, you know. Um, and that was his first film, which is impressive. I mean, obviously he had cut his teeth on, on a lot of stuff, but interestingly, it you know after De Palma and Wu, two very very established cinematic giants. Um, it was an interesting direction but you know obviously I can't complain because it's my favorite you know of all of them but um it, you know you, you would it was a shame I, I personally was hoping for like a series of really established high caliber directors you know generally for the films but that's okay I'm not complaining yeah. I'm very happy that he and Macquarie have got this thing going though and that yes. is, it, I think I think they're gonna hopefully end it with a crescendo of sorts, yeah. So. Yes, and and him and Macquarie, of course, made uh, the first Jack Reacher film together. And Macquarie has written and done uh, on like uh, Ghost Protocol, and he wrote on many, many, many Tom Cruise films, um, from starting with Valkyrie, which is a film that we keep forgetting about, uh, but the uh, the assassination of Hitler plot film, the Brian Singer. Like you say, films like I mean, Jack Reacher is pretty good. The first one, he's miscast, yes. but it's pretty good, isn't it? And but he's I, very good. As, speaking as someone who's read the the Reacher books, almost all of them, um, it's like he doesn't look like Reacher, but he acts like Reacher. His performance, you know, it's clear that Cruz has read the Reacher books and he's playing Jack Reacher, which is nice to see. And now the series has come out, and the guy is more physically apt. I always saw like a, a young Dolph Lundgren would be good, but yeah. Um, so now it's like yes, Cruz is old news, but he's very good in Jack Reacher, and that first film is really good. The second one, not so not so great. Um, I wanted to ask you, Jimmy. So just in terms of that sort of era, the, the Mission Impossible films, whilst we're talking about those, was there anything else you wanted to mention? I think I'd just say that I think 1996, up until Top Gun Maverick comes out, could have been argued to be the peak of his career because Jerry and Mission Impossible come out the same year. Well, that's what and I want to talk about. Yeah. So, so we can move we can move away from the Mission Impossible. Action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to move there. on from him. Yeah, yeah. So, so moving to the 90s and his sort of dramas, his Maguire's been in the sky. Um, oh, and let's not forget Eyes Wide Shut. Last Kubrick. Um, I'm a big Eyes Wide Shut fan. Um, I know some people aren't. Where do you stand on it, Jimmy? I haven't seen it since the cinema. I watched it in San Francisco. The line where he gets told to kick <laughs> off back to San Francisco got the biggest cheer I've ever heard in a cinema, so that was fun. Yes. And I like the vibe of it. I like going on the journey. And I, I, thought, it was, uh, I thought it was great, actually, to be honest. Yeah, I remember nice. um, I, I then... Uh, was working in an Odeon in Richmond and I had a, a buddy of mine he used to sneak into the end of the Eyes Wide Shut screenings and just uh, because it ends like quite suddenly doesn't it with Nicole Kidman and um, 
the uh, he would wait for the ending because he's an usher and he bloody knows when it's going to end. And as soon as that happened, he would just stand up at the back of the screening and just say, Kubrick is a genius. And then walk out <laughs> every time. <laughs> wow. A wow. what a legend, I mean, B what an answer. <laughs> well, yeah, you summed it up perfectly. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, Kubrick, for God's sake, um, he is a legend. I don't know if Kubrick would appreciate the bubble being burst quite so abruptly by someone <laughs> even if they're singing his praise. He'd probably say, let them sit in that for at least 15 good old life seconds and then, <laughs> then shout it. But what this guy is doing is a Costanza, uh, but he's waiting yes. to the end of the film to deliver his punchline. But I can't imagine many people would be like, yeah, punch the air in agreement with him. No. Uh, so, you know, asshole, yes. Um, but again, <laughs> valid point, but perhaps better made. But I love elsewhere. the Poitiers, not Poitiers, sorry, Pollack of it. I love the whole, right. um, the vibe and the, yeah, just like, I want to rewatch it. I think it would be good. It is very good. Yeah. I haven't seen it for a while either. I mean, I've seen it since the Cine, but nonetheless. That's a good one. And I do always forget about it. I always forget about The Last Samurai as well, which was, I think, 2003. Mm. And that was him doing the dances with wolves. I haven't seen that since the cinema. Um, yeah. And that's it with Zwick, who made the second Jack Reacher film, which wasn't very good. Um, but I, did I just... you see that film? Yeah, I did. I did. At the time, liked it, you know, but never thought it was going to be in the cruise, like, uber canon, like, do you know what I mean? It, even in the moment, I knew it wasn't top tier, you know, but uh, yeah. but I enjoyed it, yeah. I, Sheppy, sorry, I'm going to just say this quickly as well, and I know it's touching a wee bit on um, on personal stuff with cruise, but before we just totally lose Eyes Wide Shut, well, actually, might come back when we do our, our top, top cruise movies, but I, it's always made me a bit sad, with apologies to Keith Urban, but my favourite of Cruz's um, marriages was always Kidman. I always liked them as a power couple. I thought that was fun. Yeah. So I just wanted to make yeah. that point is in relation to Eyes Wide Shut. But yeah, I think... Uh, That's nice. I can well, imagine they, the marriage they... went under some considerable strain making that yes. movie. But, well, um, they did but, divorce very shortly after completion. It's true. Yeah. Um, and the film, of course, is about... A, a marriage under stress. Uh, ironically or not, the end of Eyes Wide Shut has them on an optimistic note that they're going to be okay. They've had this big wobble, which has led them on this crazy journey, Cruz especially, down the rabbit hole, but they've come out the other side. And it's, it was all based on sexual paranoia and jealousy and stuff. So the last line before your friend got his word in was, um, you know, yeah, let's let's just go. But and that's what they should have done at the beginning. And that was and so it does end on this optimistic note that the couple will be okay. Whereas of course Cruz and Kidman did not go and fuck as it turned out because they did divorce. But this was their third film together. Um, of course they got together. Uh, Cruz apparently saw Kidman in Dead Calm and then cast her in Days of Thunder. And then a few years later they were in Far and Away. And both of those films, like I said, I don't think they performed particularly brilliantly. And they, I think they weren't critically well-received either. Do you remember much about either of those two films, just jumping? Uh, Days of Thunder, I, I do, uh, vividly. I, I remember you and I watched that quite a lot when we were... And, and we sort of, you know... Days of Thunder? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, you misremember, Jimmy. Uh, really? You, you Were you not a big you, Thunder Man? You, I seem to remember you, used to laugh at the freeze frame at the end of stuff. <laughs> you've taken the uh, lack of memory of Ghost Protocol and you've doubled <laughs> down on a seed of a memory and made it much, much bigger than it actually was. No, um, I'm a real you wannabe, Jimmy, because I haven't seen Days of Thunder since the one time I saw it, and that was with you, and it was in Cranley at your place. And we watched it. We did laugh at the freeze frame. But maybe for you, the laugh was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Look at that freeze frame. Isn't that great? And I was like, fuck me. What a bad freeze frame. And I didn't enjoy that film. So I've never gone back and revisited Days of Thunder. And I'm not in the least bit tempted to, because I just remember even then in the very early 90s, watching it with you, I was like, I am not on board with this film. I am not engaged <laughs> with anything. Um, I, I'm not on it. I'm not yeah. team Cruise. So it's no, not, it um, might not be two star. It might not be two star. It might be less. It's a shocker. So but... it's the only cruise I actively dislike, and I only and I don't even dislike it. But I just don't want to see it again. Um, and so, so I don't know if you saw it a lot, but no, I've only seen it the once, and it was with you. Yeah, I've I've definitely watched it quite a lot in at a specific point in my childhood but i will say that's probably the best time to watch it because if it came out now and you saw cruise deval you'd be like this could be something and then of course yeah. it isn't so that would be a shame and you know and obviously it was the same it was the dream team of top gun so it was simpson brookheimer producing it was tony scott directing yeah. Cruise, and yeah so he saw kidders and say, get her for Days of Thunder, and she'll thank me in the morning. They got <laughs> together. And then he came up and kept, he started his trend of like outperforming everyone at Batman premieres. He did it at Batman Forever premiere, and then like 10 years later, he did it at Batman Begins with Katie as well. <laughs> what, um, just that's a shame. He should probably just take a step back for the ladies and let them have their moment. But, um, I, uh, it was like just... that time. Do you remember when Hillary Clinton was still running? And then one day Bill just decided that he was going to start campaigning again. And he jumped and he started like really loving it and shaking hands with people, being like, yeah, yeah. And everyone had to sort of whisper to him saying, it's not you, Bill. It's, it's not you this time. He was like, woohoo, yeah, buddy. Um, it reminds it's me really of that. Looks. I love it. Problem looks. Um. I wanted to say, is, is Days of Thunder up there for worst cruise character name with Cole Trickle? It probably is, isn't it? Wow. That sounds like a parody name. That sounds it does, like a Ben doesn't Stiller. It? That's amazing. That, that is, is the a name. name. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. A trickle is not a good leading man or action -y sort of character name. Trickle. No. It doesn't suggest you've got the strongest P, does it? It doesn't. No. It, no. I mean, you know, give, give me Carrie Gush any day. <laughs> um, so i mean we haven't actually mentioned one of his best movies yet but i um but and and the song I mean, god Shepard, we could genuinely well, I'll, do tell you a... what, I'll tell you what let's break it down we did jump around a little bit but just to add a little bit of structure there um if it's okay with you so we talked about like the action cruise and we talked a little bit about 90s cruise and kidman and i agree with you i like that couple let's take it back jimmy let's take it all the way back um, I do now have IMDb, just so I don't miss anything. 1981, Endless Love as Billy. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Uh, 81 again was Taps. 
I've never seen Taps, but I know it was a film and I know it was popular and I know it's still popular and people know it and like it. Have you seen it? You know, no, Shelby. You know like yeah, no. no. Then in 82, there's Losing It, where he plays Woody. Uh, then in uh, also in 83, big break, uh, very important, The Outsiders, Coppola, uh, big, lots of rising stars in that film. I've never seen The Outsiders, Jimmy. That's my... I have. My, oh, you have not? Yeah. Ooh. I have not. It's, it's no, a tricky it's one because it doesn't really hold up now. Um, right. the, 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 the ending doesn't quite land because it's very 80s and stylized but i will say to you we watched it really really recently like in the last mm. year and um and it's got some great swayze and, yeah. and some great machia so how about yeah. that and Krug, no, i heard him talk yeah. about it fairly recently about how there was everyone divided into two, two groups and there were different films going on at the same time in the cast all being interchanged in the audition that definitely stuff. makes sense and um i i reckon um just given how the film's structured as well in terms of grouping but i uh, but cruise you would never peg is going to be the breakout you know the biggest right. star out of that movie that so was not to be yeah. uh, inconsiderate or horrible but that was during his snaggle tooth era was yeah yeah but then the next same year jimmy same year was risky business as Joel, and then his tooth is uh, more Cruz, you know, Ding, Colgate, White, and it's kind of his Ferris Bueller. You might even say it's the prototype Ferris Bueller. Yeah, and um, what a movie, the cracker. What a movie, great movie. Um, lead, of course, you know, so straight off the outsiders, risky business. If we're going through this chronology, if we assume it's all accurate, we never know. Um, very nice, and then yeah. I mean, there might well be films before this, but ones that I refer to as like, you know, and for me, Ferris being the pinnacle, but like people, things happening, you know, adventures in babysitting, license to drive, things happening, crazy night for teenagers out of control, after hours is like the adult version. It's that sort of thing. And I like that. Um, yeah. And it's up there. And it's got a, it, it, it's got a lot of sexual energy, that movie. The, 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 in a way that a lot of Tom Cruise movies don't always. Do you know what I mean? That's Even true. when they're trying. Not to often. Get... Not yeah. often, I have to say. Good Which chemistry with Demorne. Demorne? Yeah, well, there's Demorne, I guess. Show me Demorne, which is what all he was That's trying to say. The best joke you've ever cracked in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got it on audio. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll just retire there. I'll do a Costanza. Good night, everybody. Um, uh, controversially and famously, and I don't know how true it is, but um, the sex scene on the subway or the, the train in Risky Business between Becky and Tommy was apparently real, but who knows, who knows, I don't know. Um, but that's great. Good on, and I saw that with you, actually, Jimmy, and that was the first time I saw it again in your house in uh, Cranley. So that's nice. nice. I mean, I ordered uh, a prostitute, but you turned up, but, you know, we'll take it. Yeah, OK. Better than... <laughs> Bronson, Pinfield. Um, yes, no valid. There are actually three films listed for 1983, so God knows how this all happened. But um, so there's The Outsiders, Risky Business, and All the Right Moves. How are we going to do it together? How are we going to do it together? Beautiful, Stephanie. Uh, that, well, that's short circuit, but you know, it's the commando trick. <laughs> so I've never seen All the Right Moves. Have you seen All the Right I have, Moves? Yeah, I have. I don't remember it, but I have seen it. I, I can take it, it off, struck but not me. really. It's, do you remember that Pepsi advert from the early 90s or late 80s 
was like, coach, why are we drinking Pepsi? It's like, it's all you deserve, Chemkansky. Remember that, Jimmy? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. so that, that, to me, is what All the Right Moves is all the way through the film. Um, so I, I, I should probably watch it one day just to see if that's the case. But good. Uh, 85 uh, was Legend, Ridley Scott, uh, fantasy, Tom Cruise is a kind of a puckish fairy type. Um, have you seen Legend? Jimmy? I don't think I have, Sheppy. I really haven't. No, and it's Tim Curry as well, isn't it? I, yeah, I haven't yes, seen that. Yes. Have you seen During it? During his uh, trilogy of uh, horrifying characters. Yeah, uh, yes. Now, I saw it originally many years ago, and it was the you know, ITV cut, and it was the uh, cinematic cut, which was different. But Ridley um, did a, a director's cut, and he also went back to it around 2000 or something. And just sort of smoothed it, did a re a repass on it, um, with special effects and so on, and we, you know, and he has his own edit order. Um, and I watched that version with Marta less than a year ago, um, and it's really, really, uh, it's it's a weird film, but um, and it, there's a, there's all sorts of weird weird things about it, some questionable aspects perhaps, but um, it's I really really enjoyed it. And it's pure fantasy, and you don't get that actually very often. So um, there aren't any winks to the camera or anything. It's pure fairy tale. Um, and I like it. It's dark, and it's got famous Bueller's girlfriend to bring that full circle. Uh, and like you say, it's got a bit of curry being horrifying. So hooray, and that's Ridley. And then he immediately, Cruz, joined the double Scott team club because then he went and did Top Gun and there you go you've got your pre-Top Gun and then your post-Top Gun uh, where I would say that's when he became Tom Cruise but um, can you think of any other actors who have been in a Ridley and in a Tony off the top of your head? That's a bloody good question. It's a good pub game. I'm sure uh, the person that springs to mind is Denzel has he been in a Ridley movie and I don't know. Yeah he was in American Gangster. Well there you go there's one but yes, and that's a big one. Um, Leading men. Yeah. He was in many Tonys, of course. Um, yes. Uh, I mean, Tom Skerritt was in Top Gun and Alien, not the main part, of course, but that, that's that's great. Um, Brad Pitt, I'm sure. Yeah, he was in The Counselor and he was in The Spy Game, Spy Game, and also, of course, True Romance. There are um, others. It's like yeah. DC and Marvel. These days are actually loads of crossovers where people have done both. But there you go. Um, That's a Vigo great, Mortensen. great one to reflect on. Vigo. Vigo, yeah, yeah, big time. Uh, so there you go. That's nice. So nice. so anyway, um, so Cruz did it. Um, leading man, legend, then Top Gun. Um, I grew up watching Top Gun, like Top Gun. I guess we'll come back to Top Gun, so we'll just skim over that for the moment. Um, Colour of Money, did you see that, Jimmy? Of course, many times. Love it. Nice. Love it. Was nearly in the top five in my brain. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Mm. Have you seen The Hustler? Yes. Yeah. Love that too. Nice. Cracking. Very yeah. nice. I, I will I, say I love The Hustler. Um, I've tried to watch Color of Money twice, um, and I and I've watched it twice, but I've I've never quite liked it. And um, well, for whatever reason, I like the I love The Hustler, and I love Scorsese. Blah blah blah. Um, and it's a real Shoulders of Giants one of these. It's like 20 years later, let's do a sequel. We're bringing yeah, you back. That would be a good It's going to be the young blood. It's going to be Cruz. Well, yeah, but they did it in 1986. And it was Scorsese. <laughs> so that's fair enough. But I didn't really like it. Um, I, don't, I don't connect with it um, for whatever reason. 
then cocktail, which we have talked about. Um, so jump in at any time if there's no anything. nothing more to say about that apart from he's got a little dreams, uh, the dynasty esque TV show was a treat. Well, that was good stuff. Young Guns, he has a little cheeky cameo as a henchman who gets shot off a roof. So they really? Jesus. Yeah, I guess because he was friends with Emilio. Um, so maybe he was just hanging around on set one day and said, hey, why don't you fall off the roof? So it's like a, it's basically Amazing. like a little sneaky cameo. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, Rain Man. Um, I'm a big fan of Rain Man. Me too. Yourself? Yeah, me too. I feel like that is the movie... That and Born on the Fourth of July are kind of tied for my favourite cruise performances. I think maybe yeah. like yeah, I, I think he's just amazing in Rain Man. Actually, Rain Man, you and I have a, a history with, right? We saw that together for the first time. I, mm. I believe. Yeah, it could um, be right for a sog man. Could be right for a yeah. sog one day, you know. Rain Man, Sun Man. I'll say you this: um, we quoted Rain Man a lot, and it's funny because yeah, we were like twelve. So it's a strange choice, but we did like Rayman. Born on the 4th of July, I need to rewatch. I saw it a very long time ago, so I really should rewatch it, but I like it. When was the last time you saw it? Yeah, I want to say about six or seven. Maybe I always say 10 years to you, don't I? Let's just say 10 years. It's in that, in that batch. <laughs> 10 years ago, I watched a hell of a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a very busy year. Um, but all right, fair play. Um, Days of Thunder, then, which we talked about, which I'm, I'm not a big fan of. That was the big summer of these two films that people didn't like too much. It was Days of Thunder up against, this was the summer of 1990, up against Dick Tracy. And um, oh, both yeah. of them came out and everyone was really like, meh. Um, so there you go. And then straight away, a one-two punch, Days of Thunder, then far and away. So was Cruise over the two films underperforming by Cruise standards? Uh, but then 92, A Few Good Men, and then The Firm, and then To Be the Vampire, then Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia. That's what a, a hell of a run. Yeah. Uh, MI2, which was very successful, of course. Vanilla Sky, Minority Report, Little Cameo um, in Goldmember, Last Samurai, Collateral, War of the Worlds, MI2. Collateral, Sheppy, just to quickly yes. touch on the Schofield performance that you yes. mentioned before. Like, I, I, that's a good one as well. He's very rarely yeah. the villain, and he's good and effective in that movie, I would say. Yes. Really good, yeah. I remember um, liking the first half of that film more than the second half. I saw it mm. at the cinema, and I've seen it once since, but, you know, almost, you know, like only like a year later. So I should probably watch it again, Michael Mann, of course. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I remember the first half I really liked. Then there was War of the Worlds, so his second um, Spielberg team up. Um, and I like Minority Report very much, but I hate, not hate, but the last 15 minutes ruins it for me. Really, I can't rewatch it because I, I dislike the last 15 minutes of Minority Report so much. Can um, I say a quick observation on yeah. Minority Report, which is one of the cruisiest yeah. moments in cinema history, yeah. is just at the very beginning where they're scanned, they've, they've identified as a gentleman about to commit a crime in, in the room up at the top in the house. 
and um he uh <laughs> they, they, they've, they've scanned it they're ready to go in and prevent the crime from happening and they've got all their protective gear on and Cruz is like now and he starts running and immediately throws his helmet off and runs into the building and I'm like that helmet is designed to protect you Tom when you're running into the building yeah. to do it. and I love it it's such a cruisy cinematic way to go and uh, fight the crime and discard yeah. all the things that are going to help you so that now, makes me very happy if you wanted to give the film some logic which it doesn't give it itself you could think Cruz realizes something's wrong or they had the wrong door or something so he has to go into full crew sprint and to do that even in the future a pre-cog still has to take his helmet off to do it it can't sustain the the running of a full cruise so he has to take it off but normally in his line of work you don't have to do the full cruise so the helmet is okay um, but in, in, in certain moments you just got to take that helmet off <laughs> and i respect that um, I did breeze through quite a lot of films just now. So, I mean, in terms of A Few Good Men, we talk about that a bit, um, if you like. I mean, that's that's great. It's, it's one of the most eminently quotable movies, isn't it? And the, the treat just keeps getting richer, doesn't it, of Cruz versus yeah. Nicholson in that movie? Like, and it's actually That's titans, obviously the whole titans. focus, and that's what it's all been building to. But I love his relationship with Kevin Bacon. I, really, I love his relationship with, with Pollock. Um, it's a perfectly directed film. Cruz is arrogant at the beginning before he you know, learns his lesson and stuff and learns humility. And so you get to see Cocky Cruz. It's, of course, Aaron Sorkin. It's an amazing dialogue. And then it's a good mystery. All the side characters, Christopher Guest, everyone is played beautifully and brilliantly and written beautifully. And then, of course, it all culminates in that battle between Cruz and Nicholson and, of course, Jack. You know, So it's great. Good old Jack. So yes, great. Yeah, Real, um, Stone Cold Sheppy, classic. Yes. So um, out of any of the other ones from the nineties, you know, I don't want to, you know, if there's anything else you wanted to mention. But now we're, you know, just out of the list, just to be thorough: Lions for Lambs, Tropic Thunder, love Tropic Thunder, of course. Me too. Yeah. Amazing. Valkyrie, which I saw in the cinema, but I haven't seen since, and that I believe started his Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, collaboration. Um, Night and Day, which I didn't love, I have to say. It no. was one twist too many um, in terms of everything. It, it wiped out on my nerves. Then Ghost Protocol, Rock of Ages that I haven't seen. Where he, uh, I've seen that. Yeah, it's not very good. Well, is he good? He doesn't, he doesn't like drop the ball, but it's hard. You know, even then, he's starting to look a bit old. I mean, I say this when bloody Mick Jagger's still rocking it, but do you know what I mean? There's something about if you haven't been rocking for 50 years, then maybe there's an age where you don't start rocking. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Well, I mean, he's playing a character. I haven't seen the film, but I mean... It's it's just more like it feels a bit awkward, is all I'm going to say. Some of his his rocking out, you know. Well, it's Rob Marshall and it's Cruz. Um, Cruz, you know, in many ways, Cruz is very cool. In many ways, he's like your dad dancing at a wedding. So yeah. I, I understand. Then you got Jack Reacher, which was great, and his first film with before he directing, yes. Then Oblivion, which I like, I haven't seen since the cinema. Do you uh, remember? Yeah, I really liked it too. I, I mean, it's got that that turn, isn't it, after the first act, which is a great twist. And then, uh, which, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And of course, same director as Maverick. So um, that's happy. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that is good. 
Then Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Groundhog Day, um, The Only Way to Kill. Love that, man. Love yes. it. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, yeah, G went to the, the premiere of that at Leicester Square with Cruz there. How about that? In nice. the audience and said he was uh, thoroughly entertaining and had uh, good sparks with, with Blunt at the front. They were uh-huh. having a lot of fun and stuff, you know. But, yeah, that was the one I just had in the back of my mind, Sheppard, which is you know, up until Maverick, I think, his best movie up until, you know, prior to yeah. Maverick, I think. Yeah, Fair I love play. it. It's brilliant. It is a very good film. Very good. Very good film. Uh, funny as well. Uh, yeah. Then you got Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation, which, of course, is Macquarie, and my second favourite MI film. And I think yours as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, which is Edward Swick and isn't great. Um, and then The Mummy. Did you see The Mummy? Haven't seen it, man. Have you? Mm. Yeah, Have I you... saw it at the cinema in China. Um, it's all right. It, you know, yeah, it's, I sort of, it's, I guess it's forgettable because I don't really remember much. So that's not a good sign. Um, it was very successful, but no one liked it, I don't think. And it's regarded as a massive failure even though I believe it made a lot of money. Um, but, you know, you know, I don't really... Oh, I remember the Russell Crowe stuff, and it didn't... Yeah, I'm glad Did they actually that... have a scene together? Do they have a scene together, yeah. Emma Crowe? Oh, that's yeah, nice. Just... I'd watch it for that, I think. And Russell Crowe plays Jekyll, and he does become Eddie Hyde, so he, he has his moment. But I'm glad, because I'm glad they didn't wait for the sequel or for his own spin-off film to do that because obviously that never happened so we got to see crow do jekyll and hyde that sounds a lot of fun i'm gonna bloody watch yeah. that on that basis yeah, yeah well let me know let us all know what you think i'll say let's just say it's, it's sort of you know it's the mummy for a reason in that people don't really like it very much uh then it's american made did you see that one the yeah i did yeah there. i liked it yeah. i liked it. yeah me too and again who's being like you know more small scale, uh, then Mission Impossible Fallout, which you like more than me, but I do like it very much. But yes, then Top Gun Maverick, and then you got Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, and then Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part Two, and uh, Live Die Repeat and Repeat. Which of course, that yeah. is exciting. So, if that is really happening. That'd be great, Sheppy. That's listed for. Um, post 2024 so we'll see yeah. he's a busy mm. man and he also wants to make that film in space with Doug Lyman so there you go <laughs> so so there's your cruise and I hope we didn't skip over anyone's favorites I mean I do let's just quickly I mean I mentioned interview with the vampire but do you like that film to me I've seen it and I loved it and I thought it was a lot of fun actually much more fun than I was expecting and he makes a good vampire and I'd like to see more I'd like to yes, see more of too. those, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Now, I mean, the thing there is we could do a SOG for that, but there were, there were books, so we would be doing, like, it'd be a real Fletch Lives wannabe. We, we would ignore all of the books and do what would we want to see from a sequel to the Neil Jordan <laughs> film, which would enrage a lot of rice throwers. Is that what they're called? Um, <laughs> yes. so that's brilliant. It's, brilliant. <laughs> so it's, yeah... Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I wish they had have made more with the same director, the same budget and so forth. Um, I saw that, I believe, twice in the cinema and um, and I liked it. And it's, you know, it's bloody, 
which is always good. And yes, he is good in it. It's nice to see so him and Pitt together, which is a fun pairing. And wouldn't yes. it happen now? Like, I don't see Cruz sharing the limelight as much these days. I don't know if that's a fair thing to say. I'd need to just kind of look back over that. You could argue maybe him and Diaz and American made. But I just, I'm trying to think like when, when he was last sort of really properly going. To I don't time. think Diaz is in American made. Oh, no, sorry. That was night and day. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, you know, just just where he's really had someone like super duper A-list with him, you know, kind of yeah. above the above the billing. Um, no, that's true. I mean, you've got your lines on that. I think the reason, I don't think Cruz is against, you know, this is only my opinion, but I don't think Cruz is against sharing it with, say, a, a Tom Hanks or a Harrison Ford. Russell Crowe is a great example as well, from what we just said, actually, to be fair. I will, like yes. That. I would say that Crowe, in 2000 him you know him being like the Dugaray Scott villain in MI2 um that would have been something Crow was slightly past his proness of his you know his peak you know when he was there if it was Cruz and someone equal to Cruz at that moment in time so like your Harrison Ford for example um even though you could argue you know but still he's he is Harrison Ford so let's say Hanks or Ford, it's like the Maguire brothers or something. Um, or again, if he got back together with Pitt <laughs> after the messy breakup, um, then that, yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't be against it. It's just the films he's choosing are by nature star vehicles and they're yeah. not necessarily ensembles or double acts, but I, I'm sure he wouldn't be against it. Nice, Sheppy. So do you want to do a list? Do we want to attempt something like yes. that? Have you done that already, like a top five? or? Right. Um, yeah, well, I'll say, I mean, it's in flux. Um, what I have is I've got Rain Man in there, and I've got, and this is in no order, but I've got Rain Man, A Few Good Men, Eyes Wide Shut, um, MI3, and then the number five, it's tricky. Uh, you know, part of me wants to do something left field just to stir things up, like a vanilla sky or something. But then it's not. And then it's like, well, should it then be eat, pray, repeat, die, day? Because that is really good. Or should it just be MI1? But can I have two Mission Impossible films? That's a bit shit. I mean, MI5. Um, so, so I'm all over the place. And then can I do Top Gun Maverick? But that's a bit South Wales Argos. That's a bit like, it's hot off the press. I don't think I can in all consciousness put it in my top, even though in time it might well go in there. I'm not gonna I'm taking Magnolia out of the running, even though perhaps that's unfair because it's cruises in front center, it's an ensemble. Um, but maybe that's really unfair, in which case, because he is integral, in which case I would put Magnolia in there. But again, that's, that is a, an ensemble. So, and then, you know, Born on the Fourth of July, I haven't seen recently enough that I can't put it in there. Um, so, so, yeah, so number five is tricky. It's either going to be MI5 or, God, I don't know. Again, I want to say Vanilla Sky, so maybe I should just say Vanilla Sky. Um, so that's where I am. That's my list. Um, what about you? Uh, I, th I think it's similar. 
I have gone, I, I've gone basically editor again, no order. I want to give some honorable mentions first. Interestingly, Jerry Maguire would have been in there for me for sure up until the rewatch recently. And, and actually the rewatch recently has just made me reevaluate it in terms of where it really does sit, you know, and it's probably not quite as strong as I thought it was, but it's still, I still love it. It's honorable mention. Um, okay, Minority yes. Report, honorable mention. Agree, it falls yes. off at the end. Born used to be my favorite Tom Cruise performance, but honorable mention, fallen off. Rain Man, again, really strong Tom performance, but again, honorable mention. So then you're left, Sheppy, with um, Edge of Tomorrow. Magnolia, I've gone it. I've put it in, even though Ensemble, I just think it's quite a stunning performance yeah. and quite affecting. And, you know, look, Jesus, the movie landed at a sweet spot for me where, you know, he loses his old man. My old man had just died. I was like, Jesus, that's pretty affecting and quite true to that moment. And um, A Few Good Men, uh, Mission Impossible 3, and Top Gun Maverick, Sheppy. I'm going to bloody yeah. say it. I, I think it's it absolutely you. wonderful. And I've seen it twice in the cinema now. Yeah. And I loved it both times, you know, and it's it's just a treat. And it's well, I think it's going to only get stronger with the passing years. I do. I really believe it. Now, if that's not the smoothest segue known to existence, I don't know what is. <laughs> Uh, it's so smooth, I'm interrupting it to point out how smooth it was, because let's just get into that now, Jimmy, because that's great. Um, oh, and if I, so, so I therefore, if you're saying Magnolia, I have to say Magnolia, if we're counting that as my number five. But otherwise... Um, I like your Vanilla that. Sky, your little penchant yeah. for the sky, though. It's nice. I think yeah. I'll allow you to have six and a joint number five. Just for oh, that thanks. Reason. That's nice. Yeah. But I am going to be watch Born on the 4th of July. Um, I am. Yeah, um, I don't like calling Top Gun Maverick Top Gun Maverick, and I don't like abbreviating it to Maverick because I like Maverick, um, Richard Donald. So, um, but I so I've been calling it Top Gun too, um, even though you know that's not what it is, but it just annoys me to call it Maverick, even though it makes perfect sense that Maverick existed. I mean, the TV show of Maverick predated Top Gun, but still, nonetheless, it works. Fine. It's fine. James Garner is furious. Roger Moore, who played uh, Brett Maverick's cousin, Dwight Maverick or something, for a while in Maverick, which people forget he was he was Maverick for a while on, on TV. Um, but nonetheless, Cruz came along and Pete Mitchell deserves to be called Maverick. It fits him very well. You, you know, Rebel was already taken. Loose Cannon didn't fit on his helmet. So I can't hold that against him, but I do have trouble calling this new film Top Gun Maverick, even though, of course, that's what it's called. And I too really like it, Jimmy. Um, it was a it was a hell of a film. It's a real Soldiers of Giants wannabe. I'm sure if the film didn't exist, it sooner or later one of us would have said do a sequel to Top Gun. Yeah. Um, so we're living in a in a Soldiers of Giants world, and I'm I'm enjoying that immensely. And it has no right being as good as it is, but it is. It's, it's a stunning film. Yeah. And so let's put that disclaimer right now. You and I, because this is obviously very recent, still in theatres, even though it's passed a bill, um, you know, uh, we're going to spoil the heck out of this now. We're going to have a good old-fashioned debrief. We've both been holding off to chat about this movie for this moment. Neither of us have really told one another the bits they love yet or anything. So this is us having a full old spoiler chat about Top Gun Maverick. So if you haven't seen it yet, 
pause, watch it, <laughs> come back. <laughs> so yeah, that's the klaxon Sheppy. That's the buzz of the tower, and we can continue with a Top Gun uh, chat. So uh, yeah, man, bloody hell. So I, I thought um, they they really. Uh, let me say this, my big point, Sheppy, because I, I haven't written anything down about this. I've got all cocky because I've seen it twice. I'm assuming I'm going to remember to say everything I wanted to say to you. So I want to say it's one of the, in recent years, one of the best visually made movies I have seen. And that is everything from just the little beats where, you know, you've got Jennifer Connelly's character closing the door and then opening the door and letting Cruz in in a later scene, like do you know what I mean? into her house. Wonderful. The mission itself is pretty complex and ludicrous, yet you understand it and you know it and you're on the journey and they build it up brilliantly. And true to the sort of thing you love the mission goes awry as and 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 awry i really appreciate it on the second view in a way that cruises anticipated in the training as well with a couple of rogue jets out doing a just a patrol coming in to see them which he does to a couple of them on some of the training runs which is nice so he's so right maverick he's always right but that's okay and uh, so i mean like visually though it just really works and makes sense and clicks and is so clean and beautifully made it's just um yeah it's a great action movie from that end isn't it like really good well um so did you before you saw it for the first time did you re-watch the original to be fair i didn't and then did afterwards because um she was like i don't really remember the original can we go back and like yeah so um so we we did after you and then, did a top gun sandwich <laughs> yes <laughs> nice um, that's probably the way to do it. How was the original for, for G and for yourself watching it in that sense? Yeah, it was Sheppy, it works, you know, it's still great. I actually think the original holds up spectacularly. I mean, you know, the, the aerial shots now are obviously on another level, right? They're just on another level where you really feel that Tony Scott's is really in the in the cabin to account for the fact they're not really in the plane, if you know what I mean. There's just that little element. But otherwise, I think it, it still sells holds up it beautifully. Though, right? I mean, yeah, totally, the film, totally. it sells that they're there. And yeah. you, know, you never once think that they're on a studio. It is not a bloody blue screen, like driving and not looking at the road. Absolutely yes. not that. Absolutely not <laughs> or that. Or like the All Right on the Night sketch from the war, Second World War film with the pilot and the clouds. And then this shadow of someone walking past the rear projection—it's <laughs> amazing. So, so yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of films do bad things with blue screen and so on, especially in the eighties. But not Top Gun. So good for Tony. Um, I love Tony Scott, and um, specifically certain films. I did watch Top Gun as a child, and you know, in a way, that's funny because it's like kind of romantic, and it's not necessarily yeah, yeah. But also, of course, it's bang bang and. You, know, you and I quoted it a lot, and Slider, you stink, was a was a line <laughs> that we said. And dare I say, there's a certain handshake that exists between you and I, which was spawned from the double clap of Top Gun and uh, of Maverick and Goose. Maybe, um, yeah, the need for speed. Mm, the yeah. uh, the double the double high five. Um, so. So, yeah, you know, it's obviously there's a lot to be said about Top Gun in the original in that, yes, very 80s, seems to be very unironic. You know, obviously it's got the volleyball scene, which has been you know, talked about after ages, but you know, it's all good and good fun. 
It's one of the um, great cinematic deaths, Jeppy, I would say. I feel like, yeah. you know, Goose it's really still hits, you know, even that yeah. next time I really had a had a tear in the eye, even on this latest viewing of Top Gun, like it really hits, particularly Meg Ryan's performance in it. I really, I dig it. I like it. I think it's really, He's a really very likeable character. And mm. that's, of course, why he, you know, he's meant to be likeable and it's meant to be affecting, of course. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, and good old Anthony. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it's a it's a great classic screen death, and of course, you know, you and I are suckers for friendship in films and stuff. And Maverick and Goose's friendship is is one for the ages. And then he dies, and it's like Goose, Goose, talk to me, Goose. You've said talk to me, Goose, to me as part of this general conversation. I'm gonna say realistically over eight thousand times. Oh, so. So it's part of the, the fabric of, of, of I like how they so, use it in Top Gun Maverick. I like yes. how they use it. It's nice. Well, that's so, well, yeah. So with that in mind, first of all, it goes without saying, I guess, because it's kind of obvious at this point, but you know, I mean, I like Top Gun. You like Top Gun. It's not in our list, you know, or anything. It's not mm. close to being in either of our lists, but it's, um, we like it. But Top Gun Maverick is officially a sequel that is better than the original. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. Um, now it does play on the nostalgia in terms of you, know, but but there's so much more. I will say, in case I do forget, the goose photo where you see in Top Gun Maverick, you <laughs> see the photo, the great Polaroid, and of course it's his reflection in the top of the canopy. You don't see the make fighter. You see him sticking up the bird. And in the photo, you see his hand in the foreground, the back of his hand, and then, of course, you see the reflection of, it, of the front of his hand doing it in his face. Now, this is genius on so many levels because this photo obviously didn't exist unless it actually did, but I don't think that's very likely. So the actual photo was constructed like a JFK, Lee Harvey Oswald, <laughs> shadow in the one place thing they they got a photo from the right angle of anthony edwards looking up and then they they flipped it and they put the, the hand in the foreground they spent a long time constructing yeah. that photo and it worked and it and i don't think they made a huge deal of it i think there was a shot and it was front center but it wasn't just i don't think just that photo so you do sort of find it yourself and it's when you realize what it is, you're like, that's fucking amazing. So I wanted to give special shout out to that. <laughs> you know, the finger. Yes, I know the finger goose. I'm sorry, I hate it when it does that. That was another thing you and I said a lot. And also, I do a thing where I, when I'm bored or whatever, I can get, if I'm holding a pen, I can flip it between my fingers. And that is 100% me looking at Iceman and wanted to copy that, I taught myself how to do that at a pretty early age. Um, so that's that's good stuff. So I need to shout that out. Good old Kilmer, and again, oh my God, good old Kilmer. You know, that's yeah. so poignant and resonant now, of course, because of Kilmer's condition. And what they did with Iceman was, was very affecting also. Well, I love their texts to each other and their relationship and just the whole thing was wonderful and just, yeah, yeah. In terms of their relationship, because the fact that they did apparently become best friends and they were wigmen forever 
And of course, Iceman rose through the ranks and he was Bathwick's protective angel. And they had this relationship for, you know, 25 plus years. And, you know, they've been through some shit, like through the West, you know, all of that. Um, I really like that because they could have gone the other way um, and had them sort of constantly butting heads. And if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, but they had this deep, deep friendship and it was really emotional. And again, because of Kilmer and everything, um, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, man, I love that scene. And I love I love how they end it as well. They just take the air out of it enough appropriately when they're like, who's the better pilot? And then Cruz is able yeah. to give it the, you know, we've just had a good moment. Let's not ruin it. You know, it's just really it, cute. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a nice little laugh. And it's, it, it works very well. It's a very, very well-balanced film. Um, I'm going to say the one thing I didn't like about it. One thing specifically, I've got to say it. Uh, it does the sequel thing in a way where, it's, it mentions, like, so the end of the first film, he's with McGillis, and they do seem to be happy, but also, I'm going to be an instructor, sir. Top Gun, God help us. And then in this film, it's like, McGillis isn't mentioned, okay, but then it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I taught a Top Gun for, like, two months, and then I moved on. It's like, oh, come on, have him there for a year, at least, you know, like, don't, oh... I, I thought that was fun. I like the idea that he really could, like he really threw the rule book out when he was Top Gun too. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, just, it's fine. It's okay. I, I'm all right with that. That's okay. I don't. I, I think it's okay. He, he... Um, no, fair enough. I mean, it's it's fine. I just, you know, it's only just like it was a couple of months or something. It was so throwaway, and it it was like, uh, you know, give him a year or something. That's all I wanted. It's so. Now, I want to say what I, what I remember also in terms of the whole McGillis of it all. Now, I guess she was never coming back because, frankly, Cruz is Cruz and she looks like a 60-year-old woman, but he does not look like a 60-year-old man. But also, um, you know, so, but, but what I kind of like, in a way, I think I like, is that basically Connolly, it, with the smallest of tiny tweaks, it could be Charlie and it could be, you know, from, from the first film, really, really easy. Um, and the fact that it's not McGinnis. And, you know, really, in terms of their relationship with each other and their history and so on, and she could easily be running a bar now, or she could still be connected to, you know, the military or whatever. But really, it was very, very interesting. She's mentioned in the first movie, isn't she? Connolly's character, the Admiral's daughter. And I looked out for it when I rewatched it. And it is it's that scene just before Great Balls of Fire where they're chatting and they talk about Penny, um, the, the Admiral's daughter, you know. So yeah, it's just it's nice. So that's and, really nice. No, I love that. I mean, that's great. I just was making the point that yeah. Connolly, uh, as that character, was basically a 100% substitute to Charlie. And it was interesting that we didn't try and tweak it or give it any extra sort of angle. But part of me likes that. And part of me even likes to think that it is Charlie. But what you just said about how it links back and it was like, you know, the Admiral's daughter and the, the fly passing that penny and with, with Strickland, that's actually genius. And I love that. Yeah. And I, I will say, like, I kind of, I'd almost have been disappointed if it was uh, a callback for Charlie, because I think, 
I, I, I'm giving Maverick far less chops than you in terms of uh, resilience and sticking it out. Like, do you know what I mean? But I, I really don't think that Maverick at that age keeps his girlfriends very long. Like, even even something as intense as Charlie and what he'd been through while he was with Charlie and all that, you know, I still feel like he probably still burns that relationship. Well, anyway, we you know, know that, you know, yeah, even if he didn't, you know, it doesn't, even if it, you know, like, or it is canon, obviously. So he was only teaching Top Gun for like two months. So, yeah, I'm sure he left as well because his relationship with Charlie immediately crashed and didn't go anywhere. Um, and it's like, yeah, this isn't working. See you later. So, you know, but again, there a large, a very large element of Top Gun is his relationship with Charlie, and so for, for it to have not gone anywhere um, is is a bit of a shame, you know. But, but, but there you go, there you go. I did like, and I do like, you know, comedy, and I liked her performances. We had excellent chemistry. I tell you the only bit I didn't like as well, but then actually I still sort of I only didn't like it because it just sort of it had already done for me what I've already what I needed, which is basically just the moment where um, Cruz gets thrown out of the bar um, for not, you know, uh, you know, gets his round and gets thrown out of the bar. And then he's looking back in and you got Miles Teller playing the piano. And um, I keep rolling this over in my head, but, you know, you get this lovely, there's a lot of pathos to that. Cruz looking in, you feel the age of him and the situation and all that kind of thing. And of course, he looks back and he, he's reminded of Goose playing the piano and all that sort of thing. And then you literally have Miles Teller playing Great Balls of Fire. Okay, maybe that's a song that his mum told him, his dad knew off by heart, so maybe he's learned to play that. I've kind of got that one reconciled, you know what we mean, all that sort of thing. And then, and then they give you a full flashback as well. And it's like, okay, cool, you know. But um, and what, what I was speaking to um, our old chum, Masood, and I said to him, like, this moment, this moment for me is the most fascinating thing about Top Gun Maverick because I don't forgive many movies that level. You know, I don't forgive that sort of thing. I, I would normally switch off and be like, that's just fucking, that's too much. You know, but and Masood said, you know what, Jimmy? And I think this is quite profound. He goes, the reason why Top Gun Maverick is succeeding is because it's made for cinema goers and not for fans. And I thought it was a really interesting sort of profound way to sort of wrap it up because I think it's quite true. Like it is a movie for going to the cinema and you don't need to have seen the first movie. I don't think you can have the same experience, honestly, without seeing the first movie really and get all of the little shivers and your, your birds and your like happiness, like from little pictures and stuff. But um, I think, you know, it is wrapped around just the cinema going experience, isn't it? And, and even just when Ed Harris is saying to me, to him, you know, your time is coming, you know, your numbers up soon, son paraphrasing obviously and, and Cruz gives it the maybe but not today you know and he's kind of talking about the movie and about everything and I love that man and it kind of it just feels really happy and like it really you know just for old school good old-fashioned action filmmaking I bloody love it um, so I will say uh that's lovely um it is made for fans clearly the whole film is uh is a love letter to the original um but to the point of I think, speaking of Fugit Men and Alan Sorkin, he wrote Malice, and there's a line in that film where Bill Pullman literally you know, said, hey, what's wrong with you, Bill Pullman? And he says, uh, I've just, like, killed a rapist with, like, a pot plant, and now I'm going to teach my class, and I think my wife is having an affair with Alec Baldwin. And Bill Pullman was like, this line, it's 
bit on the nose, Aaron Sorkin, right? I mean, it's, it's pure on the nose. And Aaron Sorkin said, sometimes the audience need to be told or want to be told exactly where we are. And I think to, to the point of Great Balls of Fire, it applies there. Because in that case, it's 100% fan service. Um, it's not about any cinema fan will get anything from that. So they, so it's on the nose and it's heavy handed to your point, And I agree, but it, I think it justifies like, okay, they made the choice. He is going to sing Great Balls of Fire. That's great. Let's just have him sing it because that's what we're going to be evoking. Let's just have him wear the same sunglasses as his dad, wear the same shirt, grow a moustache. Let's just make him act and look as much like Goose as possible. Get me Miles Teller. And amazingly, he's done this transformation. And they were like, and let's just have him sing it because sometimes the audience just want it. And it's just that sort of thing, like we know. And maybe the flashback wasn't necessary and that was too heavy handed. I'm not a big fan of that usually, but because you did see it and because you do have a big close up, I'm sure it's like B-roll footage of the sun sitting on top of the piano listening. Uh, I think it, it, it's so heavy handed and on the nose, but it, it works and it balances and it is sometimes you just got to give the audience what they want at that moment yeah. and just go, this is it. And it's pure. And to the point you were saying, um, Masood was saying, yeah, in that sense, it's pure cinema and it's pure for the masses and it's pure feel good. And it's like sometimes there's subtext and sometimes there's big, bold text. And I'm all for that. And when it works, it works. And in this case, it really worked. And to Miles Teller, what a transformation. Oh, Amazing. he's brilliant in it, isn't he? He's actually brilliant in the movie, Shepard. Really brilliant. And he looks like he's flipping heck. It's brilliant. It's one of the best bits of sort yeah. of casting like that, that there Mark, is. You know? He was brilliant. He sold it. His relationship with Mav was brilliant. I liked how they didn't just have, he had a problem with him because of the dad. That wasn't his problem. It was the, you know, you're there to make Ryan's dying wish. And, and there was that element instead which i was glad about because in a way it's too obvious and also it's like come on man. if you're a fighter pilot then you know it's not his fault you accept yeah. the risks so yeah. exactly but not just that you know you know that maverick it wasn't negligence or whatever mm. so um so i'm glad they didn't lean into that because it, it would have been too easy too obvious and i wonder if meg ryan was originally going to have a cameo and she said no and they said let's just kill her Maybe, maybe. Um, I think it's better storytelling need... not. I think it needs to all be about the Maverick. It's like Adrian needs to, it, to be dead it? in Rocky Balboa. It's the same. It's like Goose, I mean, Rooster needs to be an orphan. Or he needs to not have parents. He needs to be alone. Um, I think will... it would just, yeah, it would give... You'd probably need it not to just be Maverick's call to have done that decision. You know what I mean? It gives it an out or something, another person for... Bruce did kind of bounce off. I, I think they made the right call there, probably. Although it would have been nice to see Ryan, but yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, no, I think they made the right call, absolutely. I, I can live without Ryan. Tom Skerritt, by the way, I think I sent you a photo, um, was in a deleted scene at Iceman's funeral. Um, so it's nice, you know, and I'm sure they made the right choice because that film is held together. If they decided this film will just be wrong for the pacing, the scene will be wrong for the pacing, then fair enough. But it would have been nice to have seen him. But that's nice. 
And um, everyone is universally brilliant, Sheppy. I want to give a little shout out to John Hamm as well, because I think he might be maybe like the other, you know, he's just really, really excellent in it. And he holds it together in a way that I think is to really be applauded because he's got to make some of the more ludicrous decisions here. Like he has to send Tom Cruise on the mission. He had, despite all the crazy shenanigans he's done, you know, and he keeps doing it, but he keeps doing it with just enough credibility to hold the film together. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's really good performance from him. It's really fun. Yeah. I think he's great. Yeah. He, he doesn't like Maverick, but he, um, Damn it, he respects his results. <laughs> uh, and it is pitch perfect. Um, it was a shame somehow that Ed Harris, who's essentially Strickland, um, wasn't in it more. But, mm. but his, his scenes were great. And there's your firm connection with Cruz and Harris. That's so nice. That's nice. Um, yeah, no, but he was great. Um, also, I just wanted to say, we were talking about Rooster and, and amazing how he how much Rooster looked like his father and so on. Um, I always wanted Ryan Gosling because he would who better to play the son of Goose than Gosling. <laughs> oh uh, so God. I always thought that was a wasted opportunity. So I needed to throw that out there. But no, Miles Teller, um, yeah, good, good for him. Uh, amazing, wonderful. Lovely little Oh God, I, yeah. I mean, I'm so sorry, but I I got a tear. I got a few tears um, right at the end. What it was, where doesn't he call him? Is it Captain Captain Mitchell? Yeah, Captain. Um, yeah. And he's like Captain Mitchell, Captain Mitchell. And I think all the way through the film, he either calls him Pete or Maverick um, or Captain, but I don't think he ever calls him Captain Mitchell. And just because of that, and perhaps because he sounds like a little kid, like wanting an autograph or something. Um, and after all of that, uh, it was that that really got me. And that sort of friendship, and of course, it was through the goose prism but also their father and son sort of, I guess, uncle, you know, avuncular sort of connection, but this deep, deep bond through the father and through what they do, um, it, that, that, that got me. That was, that was good stuff. You're talking about on the hangar at the end, like yeah. when they've landed. It was the, oh, it, it was the equivalent of, you could be my wingman anytime. Yeah. But it's bigger. Um, I think it's it's more emotional anyway. It's more emotional than that. Yeah. Like you're you know, telling like, me you never cried during you could be my wingman anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you never shed a tear. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. But uh, no, there's no. something you're right, Sheppy, is that both of them um do immaculate line delivery of crews with the uh, Thank you for saving my life. And the way he says it is amazing. And then Marcella just says, it's what my dad would have done. And the way he says it, fuck, I'm a bloody mush, a mush. Yeah. This um, sounds ridiculous to say, but the end, so you had the mission and then you have the, the third act, basically, I guess, being then Miles. And, I love that. <laughs> and yes, they're like little buddy, buddy, you have to steal the old school plane. And that, of course, is perfect. It didn't occur to me that this was ever on the card. So once Mav bailed out and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Well, what on earth? Because I was, I was like, that's the climax, right? Them doing the mission. Yeah. So and I had lost myself in the film. I didn't know how long it was or how much time there was left. But when, so then then Rooster goes to save Maverick and everything, and he does the pure pushing over in the snow, which reeks of Macquarie. I bet you anything, this whole third act was Macquarie. Nonetheless- I love that moment though. <laughs> it's yes. It's great and it's so they, cinematic. Yeah, of course, that's, yeah. So they team up 
and they steal the plane and, and it's the 86 plane which is genius again so just again it's like it's on the nose but let's just do it man let's just do it and I didn't realize I love it when this happens when I'm given something I really wanted but I didn't know I wanted um, and I didn't know they were going to do the team up let's escape from here together element and then the stealing the plane element and the old school element and then of course he's sitting where his father sat all of this as it happened in real time I was like oh oh yes and oh my god yes of course and oh my god yes and it's so kind of obvious but it's like oh hit me on the nose one more time it was um it was pure and it was so good and so satisfying uh, and then of course the cunt face nose face Iceman wannabe who was I liked him as well too. hangman I yeah, thought he was good fun. hangman he came back um and and you know did the right thing and say yeah, so all of that was tremendously satisfying and I just want to say I like the fact that Cruz was Pete Mitchell he wasn't and despite what you say Bruce Willis is McLean in Die Hard 5 where it's just Bruce Willis and there's no McLean I've it's retracted that mind. statement, Sheppy. I'm, I'm sure I said it on this pod. When I rewatched them, I retract that statement. Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, but you know, it's like Harry Ford. He is Harris. He is Han Solo in, in Episode Seven, and he is Indy in Crystal Skulls. Despite what you think of either of those films, he is playing those characters, mm. and Cruz is playing Maverick. And it's like that's cool, man. That's yeah. really cool. Did you um, think he so was like dead, Sheppy, at any moment when he took the the, the fire for uh, Rooster before he well when he bailed? Um, I did for a beat in the first obviously right. first watch, you know, like I did think, crikey, you know, and it's so well executed, and they don't yeah. they don't lay it on too thick for too long, um, you know, but but they give it I a good minute. I might have thought, are they gonna kill him? But I think the bit where he crashes or so on. Uh, I don't think I thought he was dead then just because you're like, if you're going to kill him, you're not going to do it with a hint of ambiguity. You're going to see it and it's going to be much more emotional. It's going to yeah. be like always. Uh, so it's <laughs> like, <laughs> so you could quote me on that. So so no, at that moment, I don't think I thought he was dead, but I didn't know where they were going with it. I was like, well, now he's not in a plane. What are they going to do? And so, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Nice. I only have one other thing I want to just mention because I do think the movie's got some just wonderful cinematic writing and moments and, you know, everything, you know, not least even just when they do reunite us and, you know, what do you think you were doing? What were you thinking? You know, you told me not to think and all that sort of stuff is great into yeah. playing banter between the two of them. But I do love as well the, the beginning with like, you know, Cruz going, oh, I've got one other thing to tell you as well actually about this. Um, but Cruz going like, you know, to Mac 1.2 or whatever, you know, and then having to bail at the beginning and then arriving like a, a, an astronaut in that cafe is a wonderful yes. cinema moment, isn't it? And like, it's like, yes. where am I? And the kid says, Earth, you know, it's just yes. beautiful. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that because I really wanted to and I totally forgotten. That is amazing. That whole opening, which is, I guess, the equivalent of in the first film, What's his face? Merlin, stuff was losing, it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Losing, yeah. losing his nerves, nerve, and everything. Um, is it Merlin? And it was that Tim Robbins. In any case, um, that whole opening with the Mark II and all of that was amazing. Yeah, and there's your right stuff. I see. 
yeah, that's a nice connection. But then, yeah, him like a spaceman, basically coming from the stratosphere anyway, and being all dusty and needing a glass of water. I like the idea of being in this crazy environment where you're essentially, you know, in your own universe, and then you plop down, kind of like in Iron Man 3, when he wakes up and the suit's all fucking snowy and he's just miles away from anywhere. It's like you're suddenly in the real world and you wander into a diner and, and all of that. Uh, that really appeals to me. I'm sure there's superhero stuff, like, like, like a Superman comic, which I read or something, where he just lost his powers or something and he just plummeted to Earth and just landed in Superman, but he didn't have any powers, but he survived the fall. But he's just like in somewhere really weird and really random, like, I don't know, the middle of Japan or something. And he's just like in a paddy field and he's like, oh, well, no, what do I do? Are you going to get a phone call or something? Um, I like that. It's a bit like in Octopussy as well, when he falls off the train. Um, and then he just has to get through the real world and steal a car and stuff and meet those Germans when he's a hitchhiker and eat that sausage. So uh, I like all of that stuff. And so that beginning in the diner is, is bloody wicked. Yes. And then um, have you heard the fan theory that's bobbing around there, which I don't believe, but it's just fun, uh, which is that the rest of the movie <laughs> is basically Maverick is dead. And it's yeah. just it's his wish yeah, it's this wish fulfillment dream, you know, because there's no identified enemy really. And it's just kind of all that. It's really cool. It's fun. It's yeah. a nice thing to think of. Um, it's Vanilla Sky meets Jacob's Ladder. So there's your Tim Robbins connection. Yeah. I will say as well, my favourite bit of the whole bloody movie, and it's the cruisiest cruise of the seven crews and him being the uber hero, but it's the, just that moment where he's been grounded, um, Ham has taken over the training, and, you know, what's he going to do? And Jennifer Connelly, um, you know, says to him, you know, you, you've got to do something, you can't just take this, essentially gives him the sort of the G up he needs. And, of course, what does he Mab do? He basically um, steals one of the jets, sets the timer for less than he's told the kids could be possible <laughs> to do it, and then bloody completes the mission all on his own to prove to them that they can do it. And they all, they have just great reaction shots as of all just, like, listening and watching and seeing, like, his mission unfold, you know. It's such a fun sequence you know and, and sets up beautifully you know if you were in any doubt what the mission was from the verbal briefing at the beginning this is exactly what they've got to do like it's yes it's just wonderful it's wonderful wonderful yes. and it's and another a, really good device of setting up some sort of school without it just being crews teaching in top gun it's this whole thing and they've all come out of top gun so they're it's all the best of 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 the best <laughs> um, and it's, it's it's good stuff so um i like how they did that where he was a teacher but it was in this different you know, format in a sense. And even just his opening as a teacher to then echo the Charlie opening where you got Hangman a bit embarrassed about how he was with him in the bar the night yes. before. And it's just it's just lovely. It's just yes. just lovely. Yeah. So yeah, there are lots of nice parallels. And of course the volleyball and the the, the American football scene on the beach in this yeah. one. And I like the fact that Cruz is, you know, you, you see him score a touchdown but then he goes to sit down and they're all like yeah old man and he's like yeah 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 but it's like that's nice that you know they do like he does go and sit sit it out for the next part which yeah. is just nice it's good it's, it's you know considering that he cruise is obviously amazing did you hear that when they filmed that um cruise went off and saw the footage and he didn't like how he looked 
So he said, we need to reshoot this scene. But all of the other actors had you know, been in uber shape for that scene. <laughs> and they were like high-fiving, going, yay. So that night they all went off and ate pizza and shit. And then the next morning it was like, oh, even a week later, so they'd been <laughs> having a nice time. And crews were like, no, 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 we're, we're refilming that. And they're like, nah, and dropped their donuts and ran to the gym. So that's, <laughs> that makes that's, me happy. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and that is a nice scene. Without wanting to sog it, Sheppy, or preempt a sog for the future, but I mean, would you watch a Top Gun three with the adventures of Rooster and Hangman and a little cheeky Maverick cameo? I mean, the movie's made a billion dollars. Will they resist it? I, I would know. watch it. I would. I would certainly watch it. But I mean, I wouldn't want to. You know, the the first film is the first film. The second film is a. It, you, know, you can watch it cold by itself, but it is a companion piece. The first film it does play off the first film, and to do a to do another one or the further adventures of secondary, still main but still secondary characters, all of it is like I don't need to see a, a you know Hobbs and Shaw of the Top no. Gun universe. And again, as much as I loved Rooster, genuinely really like that character and the performance and so on. It, you know, it was all in relation to his relationship with with Maverick, yeah. and and so so just seeing him out and about doing his own shit would be lovely, but it wouldn't have the same effect. No, no, I agree. I think that it. I normally like a, a trilogy over over a pair, if you know what I mean, in terms of a movie set. But I think yeah. here I'm very satisfied and happy, and would just leave it there. Thanks it's a book. It, if there was like a Top yeah. Gun film in like 1980, let's say like 1998, they made 12 years later, they did another Top Gun film, and then they made another one, and this was the last one, then that would work. Or, you know, they made one in like 2005 or something. Or they made one like a pure sequel, like instead of Days of Thunder, they actually did Top Gun 2. Um, and and everything, and it was kind of what you would think it would be. And he is teaching, and there is McGillis, and so on. And then and then it leaves it open, and then there's this massive gap, and this is the capper. But this would only, you know, it only works three films for me if this is the final film. Yeah, I'll be honest, Sheppy, as well. One of the things I love, I'm just really glad they didn't do that for all the pathos to really hit in this one, though. I will say, because there's something, you know, obviously Pete Mitchell's been having lots of fun and testing lots of planes and going on lots of missions and kills, you know, and he's the only pilot who's seen lots of different action all that sort of stuff. Stayed at his captain status, but had, you know, a bit of fun in the air. So he's not, and he's like, like you know, Kirk. You know, I am what I, I'm where I needed to be. You know, Kirk yeah. should never have been an admiral. And once he was captain again, he held on to it because, like, that's his strength. You don't want to be promoted out of that because that's what you're best at. Yeah, totally. And I, and what, so whilst I think he's sort of happy in that bubble of his life, there's so much else that that he's not. You know, and like he's a bit lost and. Uh, they don't lean into it. It's not like he's sort of, you know, out of the bottle every night thinking of Goose, but it's there, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's done in a really beautiful way. And to have that, it, it's a chasm 
of time and it makes it more powerful i think the chasm like so if you had a little cheeky one in the middle where it was a destructive river it would definitely dilute that totally and I, so I'm, I'm really happy there's very few movies can pull off what it's pulled off in terms of the gap and still get away with it and so yeah, i'm just no, i'm just I, so happy about all of it that it exists and everything yeah. and telling everyone to go see it I possibly can my mum hasn't gone yet but I'm trying to get her to go you know and like all this sort of stuff yes no it's wonderful you remind me of one other thing I wanted to mention actually which is funny to me uh and it's you know it, it's it's not I don't dislike it at all I love it in fact but the photos and you reminded me when you mentioned about the connection to Goose and it's not like he's thinking about him darkly every day but it's actually in a nice way he's Goose is there, there's the present, you've got the photos and so on. It's just, it's not like he's like mourning him as such, he's just remembering him. And it's nice in the chasm, it's, you know, it's all good, it's a healthy thing. Um, but the photo, there's a photo of Ice and, um, of, and Mav from the end of the yeah. first film, where they're doing the pure. And it's like, so where's the camera in that scene in the first film? Who's taking that photo? Because it's a still from the film. So but it's like okay so there was a there was a photographer for whatever reason maybe they, they do that on aircraft carriers in, in i think they would have a war photographer maybe <laughs> there's a war photographer and he took that nice photo but then it's this there's at the end of maverick there's the photo of of rooster and mav in the same sort of moment it's like well wait a minute i just was there in that scene and then what i don't think there was a photographer that i saw in that scene just now maybe i'm wrong but um, I don't remember seeing a photographer. So it is like, who's taking these photos? It's amazing. It. And how is Maverick getting a copy of them? So it's, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying all of that. It's it's good stuff. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. I will nice say on the, on the Mav and Ice one, two other little points, and I may have this completely wrong, but this is just my, my memory on it. I think the Mav Ice one is also in the foyer of some big HQ yes. that Ice now yes. works in as well. And um, and and the, it, I, if I'm not mistaken, Sheppy, I don't, it looks like it's from a different angle and a diff, just maybe a couple of minutes after the the actual wingman anytime moment at the end of Top Gun. So what I really like about that is like they've had their moment and then like you know there's more jostling and happiness and like you know yeah you know Carrie we did it Luke we did it Mark we did it or yeah, 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 the Star Wars. Yeah. and it was more of that kind of stuff. And then they re like find each other in the crowd and then Ice says something else snarky and funny and then it's like put it there again pal like you know <laughs> they, they keep going. Yeah, it, it's the second <laughs> wave of Huggies. Uh, I love it. I love the second wave of Huggies. So I love that. Maybe that gave the photographer time to set up. But they're like, oh my God, they're doing it again. Uh, yeah, no, it's very satisfying. Yeah, I man, I bloody love it. Love it, love it. Um, yeah, cool. I didn't oh, say Shepard. right at the beginning when I asked you, uh, I did rewatch Top Gun a few days before. Oh, yeah, I meant to ask you. Both Marta and I did watch it, and, and it was nice for us to do. Do you beef at Goose Dying, Sheppy? No. And I'll tell you this, I've never beefed at Goose Dying, and I feel it, but I think it takes a lot um, in terms of, you know, it's reconciliation and it's like, you know, bullshit, you can be moaning when I'm done. It's like, you know, Captain Mitchell, Captain Mitchell, that will do it for me. But um, no, interestingly, um, I've never cried at Goose's demise. I don't know what that says about me. I felt it. 
but it never leaked from my eyes. Did Marta like it, both of them? Did she, was she a fan? Yeah, well, yeah, she, she had seen the original Top Gun, you know, but not for ages, and she liked it. And yeah, she really liked the sequel as well. You know, at the end, it was a real, when the credits were going, a real good old life moment. <laughs> Basking in it. So that's happy. And yeah, Younger. you know, we had seen Doctor Strange 2 the week before, and that's the one that we were sort of gearing up for. Um, and we liked Doctor Strange 2 very much, but it was like, you know, as we were walking out of the cinema, we were like kind of buzzing, and I knew this was going to be a Maverick was going to be a film that would stay with me. And sure enough, the next day, Marshall and I were saying, oh, God, that was a good film. And then like a week later, oh, you know, it was, such, it was a really good film. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a strong sign as well. Yeah. I mean, I've not been back twice to the cinema in a bloody long time, Sheffy. Like you, it takes a lot to get out there. So, um, yeah, it's really it's really something. And I meant to say as well, we did it as a four, 4KD, whatever it's called, experience. Have you ever seen that or thought, heard of that, where the seats shake and, like, oh. you get air pockets and, like, water comes up and stuff during the movie and stuff. And we just thought, well, we'll do it. It's a bit of fun. If you're ever going to do one movie, you may as well bloody do Maverick. Yeah. For sake, and, uh, but I will say, it's a fun experience. It does detract from the movie. The movie doesn't need gimmicks. It's brilliant enough as it is, you know. Um, so, but it was fun, you know, and, and relentless because the movie's relentless. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I have done it. I did it for Star Wars Rogue One. And I didn't care for it. Talk about yeah. water coming up, all sorts of things came up. Mm. So um, I'm not a massive fan, but I will oh. say, <laughs> yes. You know, before I forget though, I've, I haven't <laughs> thought about it since the moment when the birds hit. I wanted to both the moment for a 4K D whatever experience, like oh, yeah. when they when they just have they've just done the training session and um, and you, the the birds hit and like it's yeah. just it honestly made me jump out my skin because pocket of air came past my ear ah. from the seat but also in movie telling point you really think they're gonna have the, one of those two kids die yes. basically yes. And, and actually that it's ice is a nice sort of yes. rug pull isn't it it's just a mm. nice narrative rug pull I think that yes that. no definitely yeah, the death the the dark point um when everything goes wrong for the hero yes it's nice that it's exactly it's not what you expect there um and also I, I like to think in the bird scene, there's like a deleted scene where he just cuts to the beach below and there's fucking Connery with his fucking umbrella talking about his fucking Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, again with this? We told you, stop that. It was acceptable in the war, but it's, it was, stop it now. That's my theory. Nice, nice. We'll so, lovely. I'm sure, yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's very good. And of course, I'm sure there's stuff that we're both going to sit bolt upright in bed together and return to each other and say, oh, no, we forgot to mention this part. But um, I think that's that's good stuff. I think that's that's solid stuff. Jimmy. Nice, Shepard. Yeah, we've we've I mean, that's been a cruise-a-thon. We've nearly done two hours. That's I did not think we'd go 45 minutes. So that's quite amazing. So fair play. Good old Tom, good old life, good old everything. Um, how do we end this? Cruise well, I don't know. Uh, how how do you end it? Is there a, a quote from uh, Top Gun that that works? Is there something? I mean, Sheppy, when it comes to podcasting, you can be my wingman anytime. Bullshit! I'll be yours. <laughs> <laughs>
さあ、せーの。